Hello and welcome to True Crime Diary, in which we take a light-hearted look at a serious subject. Every two weeks we look back through the stories of true crime to find an event that took place on this week in history. I'm your host Mark Decano and with me as always are my friends Jed Lester Hello and Rue Turner. Hello. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you can and if you can't you can always email us to stuff at truecrimediary.co.uk and in appreciation of every five-star review we'll give you a shout out on a future episode. The date we're looking at this week is the 8th of August, and in 1963, 16 men boarded the Glasgow to London Royal Mail train and began to implement an audacious plan to rob the train. By the time they were done, the Cheddington Mail Van Raid had earned the robbers £2.6 million, or roughly £56 million in today's money. But it was the chase that followed that made the robbery famous around the world as the Great Train Robbery. Um, Was there uh, a previous... Great train robbery. Yes. Well, you know how every so often something gets called the crime of the century? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then a year goes by and then there's another crime of the century. It's just another train robbery. It's, it's another yeah. train robbery, but, but it's just a big train robbery. Was, uh, oh, all right, that was my next question. Was it was it actually great? It's pretty great. Was it, or was it just not? The large train. There must have been train robberies since <laughs> Stevenson's rocket, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ever since we put four yeah. wheels on a track, there must have been robberies. Yeah, absolutely. There was loads of ro- loads of train robberies. Even in Britain, there was loads of train robberies. But this oh, one it's was great. great. Yeah. This one was great. It's just great. I mean, the it was... Um, train robbery. I think it was the largest cash robbery in the UK. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, right, fine. So it, it deserves its... Mm. Inclusion of the word, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go for it. Fact me. Well, there's loads of people involved. I mean, loads. It's bizarre. So I'll run through a few in- individuals. So you've got basically what's called the Southwest Gang, and that's yep. run by uh, Bruce Reynolds. He's the mastermind of the operation, apparently. Yes, I've heard of him. Yeah. yeah. I must. I would say most people have heard of. I'm going to say three of them. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't know whether that puts out the other thirteen, but mm-hmm. I know I know three of them. Okay. I also know it as um, I don't know what you think. I also know it as a kind of they're all right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're kind yeah. of like they're not like horrendous individuals. I mean, perhaps they are, but the folklore and history, mm. you know, yeah. they they just scamps. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of happy-go-lucky scamps <laughs> who admittedly nicked a load of money and some some did time and some ran abroad but I, it's not a kind of you know public outcry for hang the lot of them is it is it it never was I, well what I don't I don't remember it to be like that no I mean and again this has come up this theme's come up time and again that they're kind of seen as the villains are seen as like heroic or you know sure. it's exciting yeah. it's adventure you know yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, particularly in this instance because the main the main part of the story it really is not the robbery it's what happened after the robbery yes absolutely um, I mean even we talked to like Bonnie and Clyde and, and what have you they were seen as as folk heroes but they killed people no one died in this instance yes exactly although the uh, well, you'll come to it. You'll come to the detail. Mm. But the chap, it wasn't the nicest thing that mm. happened to him. But but you're right. No one. 
So with Bruce Reynolds in the Southwest Gang, you've got um, Gordon Goody, Charlie Wilson, and a man named Buster Edwards. Mm, uh, I know Buster. Yeah, he's pretty well done. Now, the job that they were going to go on was so big that they actually recruited another gang called the South Coast Raiders to help them. Yep. That was uh, Roger Cordray, Bob Welch, Tommy Wisby, Big Jim Husson, Danny Pembroke. But the gangs themselves weren't enough. They had other people they brought on board. They had associates named uh, Roy the Weasel, John Daly, Bill Flossie Jennings. <laughs> when you <laughs> recruit a guy called John the Weasel, doesn't any alarm bells <laughs> ring? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jimmy the Snitch. Do, you, oh, do, you, do we trust this guy, Jimmy the Weasel? We've narrowed it down to either Johnny Tightlips or Frankie the Squealer. <laughs> Ian Blabbermouth Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have a guy named Jimmy White, not the snooker player. Okay, yeah, good to know. <laughs> uh, Ronnie Biggs. Yeah, the main boy. And I mean, I don't think he was the main boy, <laughs> but he definitely beca- became the main boy. He advertised boy, himself yeah. as such. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, so he brought in an older guy named of Pop. He's also re- variously been referred to as uh, Peter and Stan Agate. And there's a whole bunch of other people as well, John Wheeler, Lady Field... There's a bunch of bunch of names. So you can imagine that there's 16 robbers on the day. They have been surrounded mm-hmm. by other people who've been helping to plan it. There's um, Brian Field is a lawyer who's uh, working on providing them with information. And then he, there's another person referred to as the Ulsterman, who's also mm-hmm. been part of the planning and organising. So there's a lot of people involved in this. Did it, did it need that amount, or was it just people wanting to get in on the, in on the action? Firstly, it's a large amount of money, which means it's physically a large amount of money. So Fine. you're gonna, yep, yep. so you need a few vans, you need drivers, you need someone to find a, a place where they can hide, right, right, divide right. up the money. They've got the planners who are getting the information, so they need to know it's a train, so they need times, so they need to know when's the right time to hit it, so they need inside information. They needed a, an engineer who could work the signals. They needed someone who could drive the train. So there's a lot of work gone into this. It's been months in the planning. And ultimately, the more people right. that get involved, the more chance of a screw-up or a slip of the tongue. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Absolutely. It yeah, only yeah. takes one of those people to back out or get frightened. Yeah. Or tell someone. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, just well, all over. Well, look at the Briggs job. We yeah. talked about the, uh, Brink, the yeah. Briggs robbery. Exactly. One, yeah. verse, one person gets antsy. Suddenly, they're all trying to kill each other, and then he turns them all in. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, they're all buying carved wooden Indians and <laughs> gold Elvises. <laughs> Spending all their nicked money. So let me tell you about the train a little briefly. So basically, this this train was a, the, the Royal Mail train. It's basically a travelling post office. So you would be sorting the mail on the train as it travelled. Right. Okay. And yeah. this is. It's from Glasgow to London, isn't it? That's right, yes. So what if they get halfway and they go, oh, oh, this one's for Hounslow. <laughs> <laughs> why didn't they, um, you probably don't know the answer to this, but why, why didn't they go the other way? What, uh, well, from, from London the, to Glasgow. From London to Glasgow. Because the money always comes to London. I don't know the, the, the why it's not going the other way. Oh, it's payroll, I assume. Because you, you might suggest that they were effectively going into the eye of the storm of 
you know, a busier city for being caught or spotted. But anyway, there would have been a reason. Yeah, well, the, I can tell you why they picked this particular train on this particular day, um, for sure. So basically, it's a travelling post office. So if you imagine, like, when they they have those things at the stations where they have put out like a crank and they hang the bag on it, and then the train mm. rushes by yeah, yeah, yeah. and hooks it with a net. An arm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 it's one of them. So the train doesn't have to stop. And they're picking up posts, wow. okay. mail yeah. along the way. Yeah. So driving sort of past thing. literal money trees. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hang in there, it looks like a, a gallows. And then they scoop it up with a net. Yep. Now, the second carriage behind the engine is what's called an HVP. It's the High Value Packages Carriage. So, that's that's where they keep like the, the money. Right. Yep. Uh, typically, that would have been about in the region of about 250,000, £300,000 in money of the time. Okay. Why do they label that? Carriage. By the way, this is exactly where it didn't have a sign on the side. Just, <laughs> that's that's just the act. That's what it was. That's, but obviously they found well, that even out. So. They found that out from there. Yeah, reports. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Was it a steam train? By the way, no. It was, um, Do you know what I'm thinking of? <laughs> I'm thinking of Sean Connery uh, in the Great, uh, the first well, great, the great train room. Yeah, the first great train room. Yeah, where it was a steam train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, diesel electric. Okay. But this was Wednesday after a bank holiday weekend. So actually, there was an estimate of up to three million pounds in it. That's a lot, right. lot of money. And they knew that, obviously. They knew that from their inside information, yes. Sure. Now, the fun thing about that was that in 1961, so two years earlier, they upgraded these HVP carriages with um, alarms and bolts and bars on the windows. They upgraded them all. And they kept a couple of the old ones in reserve. And on this train, all of those carriages were, were out of service. So they used the old one that didn't have bars or bolts or alarms. <laughs> Wasn't there a rumour that that's possibly organised by the gang somehow? That the, the, un, the, somehow the, the lack of availability of the, of the preferred carriages was, organ, you know, was, other a, carriages. Yeah, was a fixed deal. Yeah, I don't know how they would have possibly orchestrated that. I mean, it would, I mean, it would help. Yeah. yeah, certainly would have helped. But, um, would it be impossible though? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I've shifted around carriages. But... <laughs> I don't know how much influence they had from the inside the the Royal Mail to be able to just dictate what carriages are used on what trains. Sure. Yeah, yeah. If you knew where they were kept, you could scuttle the ones that wouldn't perhaps been used, cause a little bit of damage on them one or two days beforehand, and then they yeah. get fixed and they go. They don't worry about it too much. We've got some backup yeah, ones. Yeah. We we'll use those. You know. Is that an official verb? Scuttle. Scuttle, yeah, definitely. That, it's a naval yeah. term. Is it to move things. No, scuttle means to, to damage something <laughs> so it can't be used. To render it. Oh, sorry, right. right. You would oh, scuttle sorry. a ship by, scuttle. Sinking, by sinking it. You know. I thought you meant scuttle as in. Like a crab. Scuttle, scuttle away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just go and scuttle those carriages. Oh, right, I'll go and get them then. Right, <laughs> right. sideways. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's what I mean effectively it's the same the net result is exactly the same my my wrong interpretation of the word and Rue's correct interpretation what is those carriages were uh, the, the wrong carriages were used yeah <laughs> I don't think it's typically used for a train you would only normally scuttle a, a boat or a ship yes harder to sink a train yeah it is <laughs> well it's, that's true yeah. if you can get one on the water it's quite easy <laughs> oh true enough yeah 
Don't you scuttle coal? Uh, with if, a coal scuttle? Yeah. <laughs> to put, yeah, to put it in a scuttle would be to to scuttle it, I suppose. You've ruined that coal. <laughs> it's deliberately it's thrown it all in the sea. <laughs> that took me a mil, ten million years to form. You've yeah, ruined. I just picked it up in his arms, ran sideways at the water. <laughs> scuttle. Scuttle. Right, okay. All right. Fine. We've. I think we've explained the word. Yeah. I think we've we've explained it beyond it having any further inherent meaning. This week's episode has been Good. brought to you by the letters B and the word scuttle. <laughs> scuttle me bones, boy! I'll slit your gizzard. I gotta catch a train and rob it. Okay, so let's talk about the robbery then. So, 3 a.m., 8th of August. You've got two men driving the locomotive. You've got Jack Mills, who's 58 years old. He's the driver. And he's got what's called the second man. And these are these are nothing to do with the gang. No, no. These are just train drivers. Train drivers, right. yeah. So the second yep. man is um, David Whitby. He's 26. So there's the two of them. Now, they see a signal. They're approaching a place called Sears Crossing. And they see a signal, and it's a red signal. So they stop the train, obviously. Now... They're not expecting to get asked to stop, so yeah, you'd expect no. an express train to sort of have a, a sort of a mapped route all the way that doesn't stop, especially yeah. when it's carrying that much cash. That it would be organised ahead, so that all lights would be yeah. green. Yeah, and if you're going to meet a red light, I'd expect to know about it before I got there, like on the radio or something like that. Yeah, I wouldn't expect to just stop at the traffic lights with millions of pounds if in I the was back. The, uh... <laughs> <laughs> if I was the train driver, if I was the train driver, I'd say, "Hang on, that signal's been scuttled. <laughs> We'd better stop." Alf. No, what was he called? Dave. Dave. <laughs> Alf is better. <laughs> Dave. Dave. So Dave Whitby, he gets down from the cab. He's going to call the signalman because that that red light's thrown up a bit of a red flag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you doing, Ray? Stretching your back. Slept badly. Yeah. I think you'd be good at it, your man of your years. Al, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, what are they called? Dave and... Jack and Dave. Jack and Dave, yeah. yeah okay. So David Whitby, he climbs down from the cab, he's going to call the signalman. There's a, a telephone at the side of the line, mm-hmm. by, the, by the lights. But he, yeah. the telephone cable's been cut, so that's a bit weird. Hang on. Ooh, another red flag. Another red flag. Yeah. So he goes back up... It's been scuttled. It's been scuttled. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He goes back to the train, and there, there, he's overpowered by one of the robbers. Oh right, okay. So they're all hiding in the in the in the undercroft. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, driver Mills, he encounters robbers approaching him from both sides of the cab. So they go and they try to overpower him. He fought back, and he was struck from behind over the head with a kosh. Yes. So that's a, that's another or the one of the. Various quite famous bits about mm. it, isn't it? Someone was bonked on the head. Yeah. Because um, Ronnie Biggs blamed it on, um, oh gosh, what was his name? The very tall guy. Reynolds. <laughs> no. Bruce Reynolds is the leader. He was a tall guy. Really tall guy with like like six four or something, with big ears. I don't, <laughs> I don't know that. His ears are definitely on. what needed to be listed. <laughs> 
I can see him in front of me as an old man. Is he burning your house? Uh, Gordon Goody. <laughs> oh, Gordon Goody. Yeah, Mark mentioned him. Yeah, yeah, so Ronnie Biggs, in his book, named Gordon Goody as the guy that coshed the, the driver. Okay. But Gordon Goody said, um, uh, I won't use the same language that Gordon Goody used. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I, no, I but didn't. He, yes, no, I didn't would be a polite paraphrase of it. Because he wasn't even there at that point; he was way back. Yeah. But he, yeah, I mean, Gordon Goody was the kind of guy who would cosh. It's not that he was particularly violent, but he was known for carrying a cosh. But he would prefer to just poke you in the stomach with it than hit you over the head with it. Yeah. Apparently, Charlie Wilson was the most vicious of the was group. Was he? So it's possible mm-hmm. that it was him. Yeah. So Jack Mills, he's taken a hit to the head. It's basically, yep. he goes down, he'll be in and out of consciousness for the rest of the... Yeah, it's quite some wallops he got, isn't it? Yeah, apparently he suffered for, with headaches for the rest of his life. I don't think he ever worked again. No, no didn't work. Is he still alive? I don't think any of them are. No, Anyone okay. involved. Really? I don't think so. None of the robbers, for sure. Right. The next thing they want to do is they want to uncouple the, the front two carriages from the rest of the train and move the train. Basically, the expensive carriages yeah. from the normal post. Yeah, they take a charge of the engine, yeah. they want to uncouple it and then roll their bit forward to their, their drop-off point. So they're going to go take it to a bridge called the Bridego Bridge. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where they've got their trucks waiting. Okay. Right. Where are we in the in Britain? Halfway? Or uh, it's in Buckingham. A, a mile outside Glasgow. Oh, right. So they're, they're yeah, it's a, 80%, 90% there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So okay. it was due into Euston Station in North London at 4am, but they attacked it at 3am, okay. so it's not far out. Yep. And did they well, choose that place because it was sort of in the middle of nowhere? And of course, being on a little bridge in the middle of nowhere, you can get your vehicles right up against the railway line underneath it, essentially. Yeah, so the trucks will be on the road underneath the bridge. So they can basically right. pass the money right. okay, sorry, under yeah. the right. railway bridge. Down pass the, the money down to the trucks. Yeah. And then they're out in the countryside, so they can... They'll, vanish they'll drive off, off off they go yeah. off they go into their hideout yeah 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 it's quite it sounds quite doable yeah oh yeah i mean this is for me this is the best part of the story personally because it's so ridiculous so <laughs> what's happening now they've they've got to move this train so ronnie biggs who's one of the most famous participants he was brought on board purely for one job he was given one thing to do and that was mm-hmm. to find someone who could drive the train so he uh, he found right. this guy. Okay. He found this guy called uh, Stan Agate or Peter or whatever his name is, also referred to as Pop because he was an older guy. He's a retired train driver. You choo choo choose me. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this fella Pop takes one look at the controls of this train and says, "I can't drive that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help you." <laughs> So that was his, obviously, his only job. So the famous Ronnie Biggs had one job. One job. Yeah, one job, yeah. And he found and he, someone who couldn't drive it. he found someone who could drive it. So both of them now are useless. <laughs> pointless. Yeah, yeah. Their involvement is pointless. Because he was retired, he used to drive like shunting trains, so that this, and he'd retired, so this is a modern locomotive. He doesn't know how to work it. Right, right, right. <laughs> so basically they have to get Mills, the, the train driver, that they... The one who hasn't been... Yeah, the one they whacked over the head, they have to get him to drive the 800 yards. Oh, sorry, they got him. Right, okay. Yeah. It seems even more kind of daft that he couldn't drive that train, as in 
they they would have I and mean, they could have known exactly what model of engine that was going to be. Yeah. Because the Ulster the, the Ulsterman's information knew, was so precise in every yeah, way and they, so they knew so much the, you know, more detail yeah. about the plan and the yeah. schedule and the blah blah blah. This is going to be everything there with the Ulsterman said was true and was accurate. So there's yeah, no you know there's no way could, they couldn't have known what that engine was and they could have just said yeah. hey mate um you, can you drive this can you drive this model of train <laughs> is this <laughs> it's not the question is not can you drive a train it's can you drive this yeah. specific train yeah. and if the answer is nothing yeah. then obviously you move on yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you know, benefit of hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like getting out of uh, a Fiat and getting into a Yaris and going, oh, I have no idea how this works. You know? It's not, it's not yeah, quite yeah. the same thing. They're very, very different mechanical systems, you know. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a model train. I could drive model trains. <laughs> I've, I've got a little blue peak cap and everything. I, I'm sorry things didn't work out. It just wasn't meant to be. So they have to get the, uh, the driver Mills to drive it, as I say, about 800 yards down the track, where they've basically hung up a, uh, a white sheet between some poles and marked the space so they know where to stop for the bridge underneath. Right. Yes. So they roll it, roll it forward to the bridge. Then they break into the, uh, the HVP, the High Value Packages car, which obviously has yeah. postal workers in it. Yeah. There is a little bit of a scuffle, but mostly they all lay down on the floor and Oh right! Oh, so they, oh, I didn't realise there'd be people in there. Yeah, there'd yeah, be a sort of gift post sorting office, I suppose. Sorting office, yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, sorry. I thought you meant kind of guards for the loot with little. Um, I'm, I've see. I've got. I have this this vision of them wearing perspex visors and and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and sleeve guards. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite right. Yeah. Um, there's about five people in the in there. Think. Um, okay. So, so they try. They, you know, there was another. There's an attack with a kosh again. Apparently, oh. a couple of people got hit, but basically, there weren't any security guards or uh, anything mm, like that. Yeah. So, one, uh, once okay. they once they were in, they were in, and that was it. Because these are they just postal workers. No one's really knows anything about self-defense or. So they get all the staff to lie down on the floor, and they brought Mills and Whitby, the train driver and his second, in uh, uh, in handcuffs. They handcuff them together, and they're all now in that carriage. So then the robbers form a, a human chain from the railway carriage down to the trucks at the bottom of the yep. incline. And they basically, they pass bags of cash down man to man down to the bottom. That's something you couldn't do if there was three of you. That's true. <laughs> they could have thrown them. Yeah. I suppose they might have been quite <laughs> heavy. A, yeah. Yeah. I, was, yeah, I remember Goody saying that he, uh, he I mean, he's a big guy. And... Uh, he said at the end of it, he was knackered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was absolutely knackered. Oh, it was three in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Three in the morning. Need <laughs> yeah, sleep. sleep, yeah. So they pass down, uh, there's 128 sacks in the carriage. They pass 120 of them. And they leave the final eight because they're on the clock. They've given themselves half an hour for this whole operation. Okay, well that's smart. Yeah, passing the bags took about 20 minutes. Well, I'm inclined to say at least they weren't greedy. But these are train robbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. they're greedy. I mean, after 120 sacks, and you're looking at the last eight sitting in the car, you think, oh, "Come on, one more minute." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, robbers uh, are known for their greed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. robbers got a rob. <laughs> so they've got their half an hour time limit. They take, they've got all that. And the the cumulative weight, apparently, of all the bags was probably about two, uh, two and a half tons. 
weeks. Wow, there's wow. okay. a lot of money, a lot of cash. Yeah. <laughs> money, <laughs> lots of money. It's mostly one pound and five pound notes, so low denominations. Oh God, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. So that's <laughs> why. Oh, okay. That's why there was so much of it. Yeah. yeah. God, the, I'd suggest the one pound notes. Are, I'm not. Are then, I mean, even back then, I wouldn't have thought one pound note would be worth stealing. Not tens of, because you know, not, not 10,000 of them, you know. No. Well, this is a 60. Because 10,000 of them are massive. Yeah. This is 60, so we're talking pounds, shillings and pence. So there are shilling notes as well in there. Yes, right. And um, also, this, this is a time when they're switching from the large white paper notes, five pound notes, to the small <laughs> yeah, blue yeah, yeah. ones. So it's like yeah, some yeah, of yeah. it's blue notes and some of it's big white notes. So sheer, <laughs> sheer volume of paper is massive. I, I would think you would get more than one fish for a pound back then. <laughs> <laughs> come on, ladies, come on, ladies, one pound fish. What did they do next? Do we know how many vehicles that they got this into? Because if that's two and a half tons of cash, three, yeah, three, three tons or three vehicles. Three vehicles. It's two. Land Rovers and a, a Lodestar truck, which is a large lorry, right. basically. Okay. Uh, so the whole thing's gone down in 30 minutes. Okay. Now they're on the road. They have to flee. Now they drive mm-hmm. for about an hour, roughly, and they go to a place called Leatherslade Farm, which is um, uh, about 27 miles away. It's about an hour's drive. And they bought that a couple of months beforehand. But they'd, they'd, they'd paid a deposit, hadn't they? But I don't think they'd bought it. Well, yeah, they'd put money down on it. Yeah. So they get there about half past four in the morning. Now, what's interesting is because they thought they were going to be held up there for four or five days. But the thing is, it turns because they're listening to police radio on it. They've got a VHF mm. radio. Mm. Didn't we all? It turns out that actually, ten minutes before they arrived at the farm, the alarm had already been raised because one of the postal workers had basically got got off and gone to another train and gone ahead and wow. raised the alarm. How do you do that? Seems a bit, I mean, he did it, but it seems a bit far-fetched. Well, he, if just got on another train. There was a passing goods train on another rail and he flagged it down. He thumbed it. Yeah, he thumbed it down. <laughs> thumbed it down, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to stand on the tracks waving my thumb. Mm. Yeah. So the gang realised that the police have pretty much worked out the likely focus area for a, for a search. Okay. They realise that they're kind of going to be in that area. Mm-hmm. So they go, okay, so we're now, they're not going to go, they're not going to wait till the end of the week to go. They're going to go uh, on the Friday. So it's just the Wednesday morning. So the first thing you've got to do is divide up the money. While they're there, while they're waiting for people to come and get their cut, etc., one of the fun things is that they played Monopoly to while away the time using <laughs> real money. Wow. Well, <laughs> this isn't Monopoly money we're playing with. Did they play for keeps, I wonder? I don't know, I assume so. So it wasn't that urgent. They they had time to kill. Oh yeah, they were going to be there a couple of days. They intended originally to be there for four or five days. They need to get rid of their vehicles. They're going to have other cars brought along and by other people who are going yep. to collect their share. Um, so they divide up the money into 16 shares and then basically what they call drinks, which is basically like small amounts of money to pay off associates who've done a small part. You know. Yes, yes. How much is a 16th? I don't know. I don't know how much was in, in drinks. I think it's about 150,000 per man for a full share. Oh, okay. So that's pretty good. Which is about... In 1962. Yeah, which is a little over 3 million in, in wow. today's money. But we don't know how much the amount of the drinks were. Some of them are like 10 
10,000 pounds, some are 20,000 pounds. Sure. Yeah. Cool. I wouldn't mind 10 grand for drinks money. I know, yeah. I think I'd be like, uh, yeah, all right, I'll drive the getaway. Yeah, exactly. What, three hours worth? No, yeah. no wonder he said he could drive that train. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly that. If you it? asked yeah. me, I'd say yes for 10 grand. You know? Yep. <laughs> there was a, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny because on the radio, while they're, they're listening to the police reports, they, the, they hear the line called out, a robbery's been committed and you'll never believe it, they've stolen the train. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Field, who was the lawyer, he and a, an associate went to the farm and the idea was they were supposed to secure it. Effectively, they were going to burn it down. That was, mm. that was the plan, even though they'd already wiped all the fingerprints down and everything. But basically, he, he, didn't, he didn't bother. <laughs> okay. He didn't bother. Uh, they found out Char- Charlie Wilson um, apparently was going to kill him, but was uh, stopped by other robbers. Um, they decided to go back to the farm but they'd already been discovered. The farm had been found by the police. Wow. Yeah. wow. So Quite good police work. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I say, it was within their dragnet search zone. So although the robbers had fled, the plan was that this guy Field would you know, burn it down, but they'd already, the police found it quickly enough. How soon after the robbery did they find it? Monday. Three, three days. By, by, by Monday, yeah. By Monday they'd found it. So although the farm had been wiped down of fingerprints, what they hadn't wiped down was the Monopoly set. Wow! Maybe the crooks left fingerprints on it. <laughs> Just the the board community the chest. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the and Mayfair and right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So they did actually manage to get some fingerprints. Oh, off excellent. There. All right, right. And did they use a real Scotty dog and <laughs> yeah. a massive top hat? Did they get a fingerprint off the go directly to jail? <laughs> <laughs> so by now they found the farm quickly. But the investigation wasn't really going that well. You had the local police, the Buckinghamshire police. You had the, the flying squad from London. You had the investigation branch of the postal service <laughs> uh, were on this. They basically, they had to form a, a, a squad from all these branches to take over the, the investigation. But up until then, it was kind of chaos because everyone's running their own investigation. Uh, so basically, you end up with six people, including probably the most famous member of the team, Jack Slipper. Slipper of the yard. <laughs> he would later become the head of the flying squad, so he was on the case even while years were going by. He was still technically in charge of the case because the case was still open for years. I don't know. Him, no, but, um... flying slipper. This is Jack Slipper. Jack Slipper. Jack the Slipper. Slipper. Jack Slipper. Slipper of the yard. Yeah. Not Jack the Slipper. <laughs> he should have been Jack, Jack the Slipper. slipper. Jack the Slipper. <laughs> So after a few months, Roger Cordry, he's the leader of the South Coast Raiders. He's the first one picked up. He's staying with a friend named William Bowl. Now, William Bowl wasn't even involved in the robbery, but he would also be <laughs> sent to prison later on. Just as an uh, accomplice. Yeah, just as an accomplice, yeah. But then slowly and surely, they pick up a whole bunch of others. So that's, one after the other, they catch some criminals. And they, they yep. go to trial in January of 64. Now... What's interesting there is that uh, John Daly, one of them, his fingerprints were found on the Monopoly set, but that was the only uh, evidence they had was that he had used the Monopoly set. Wow. So they said, well, that's, that's not good. That's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> Playing sure, Monopoly yeah, yeah. isn't a crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, he was a brother-in-law of Bruce Reynolds. 
and basically just said, well, I played Monopoly with Bruce months before, you know. Yeah. Yeah, sure, So sure. there's nothing to do with him. So basically, the, the jury was directed to find him not guilty. There was no case to answer. He was let go. Sure. Which is nice. And uh, William Bowl, who I said was just the one who was uh, laying low with Cordray, he was sentenced to 24 years in prison. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. The, the one who was the... Um who let him stay in his house. Yeah, he was basically just gave him somewhere to, to lay low. Who had nothing to do with it? Wasn't, wasn't even there. He got 24, 24 years. For, years. For aiding and abetting? Or yeah. Accomplice? And he died in prison. Wow. It's a lesson there, folks. Yeah. Don't uh, harbour... Don't do <laughs> have nothing to do with it. So the rest of them mostly got 30 years. You say mostly? Mostly. There's a couple of people... Oh. Field, the lawyer who didn't burn down a farm down, he got 25 years. Oh, God. Because um, uh, he didn't burn it. Imagine what if he did a yak, yeah. if he had burnt down, mm. yeah. admittedly. They might not have caught anyone if they had. Yeah. But uh, Ronnie Biggs, who <laughs> failed to achieve his one job, he got 30 years. Charlie Wilson, 30 years. You know, that was a lot of. Lot, but it was basically, he got, they got 30 years for armed robbery and 25 years for conspiracy, and they ran um, concurrently. So then they start a, a bunch of appeals. So in July, Brian Field tried to get the charge of conspiracy dropped and his sentence was actually reduced to five years. So it wasn't so bad. But the most exciting part of it is that by August, Charlie Wilson escaped from prison. He hiked over the wall, didn't he? Or was that Ronnie? That was Ronnie. Ronnie went over the wall. Charlie right. Wilson was basically, he was broken out by three mates. And he went to uh, Paris to get plastic surgery to change his appearance. Oh, that's another one. Yeah. <laughs> Arguably a lot, a long time after. Yeah, exactly. Um, he let, he would later meet up um, in Mexico with Bruce Reynolds and Buster Edwards. Uh, and that was obviously, that kept the story going because that's quite exciting, a prison break. Yeah, I mean, massively. Yeah, 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 but it's not nearly. Well, the Ronnie Biggs one is the main. Yeah, it's not yeah. nearly as exciting as almost a year later, Ronnie Biggs escaped from Wandsworth. So he's he's yeah. done fifteen months, and uh, basically, yeah, someone <laughs> they parked a van next to the prison wall and dropped a, a, a ladder over the wall, and he just basically climbed climbed up and hoiked himself <laughs> over the wall. He climbed and he climbed and he climbed, and as he climbed, he hummed a little hum. Well, that was it. That was it. He was out. Gone. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It was easy in them days. Biggs would would identify himself as one of the train robbers to any expat who would come past. Yeah. He was just more than willing to tell the story and say, yeah, yeah, yeah it was me. Yeah, we robbed this, robbed this train. Millions of quid. Want a drink? <laughs> yeah. Finally, in uh, 2001, he's now age 71. He's already had about three strokes, Ronnie Biggs. In 2001, he came to England pretty much knowing he's going to get arrested. He wants the NHS. <laughs> he wants the NHS, yeah. Well, well what he said was, uh, he said, I want to walk into a Margate pub as an Englishman and buy a pint of bitter. So it pretty much, as soon as he landed, he was arrested. Yeah, as expected. And went back to prison to serve the rest of his sentence. The, uh, he, he didn't half live the high life, though, because he was mainly in Brazil. Oh, yeah. In Rio. He spent so much and money. He, yeah, and he absolutely... He was like a rock star. Yeah. Um, and he basically hung out with rock stars. And he, like... I can't remember who 
instigated it, whether it was him or management or whatever, but he basically hung out with the Sex Pistols. Yeah, he uh, recorded, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, right, yeah. I forgot that bit. But the the publicity on the back of it just benefited everyone, and and obviously back here, mm. newspapers were absolutely all over it in yeah. a in a kind way, kind of way, <laughs> not in a. Um, I can't believe this, um, <laughs> but he he lived an absolutely outstanding life in Brazil. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now he recorded. Uh, the great on the great rock and roll swindle, which is a, a oh right, he, he the Sex Pistols film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he yeah. did vocals for two songs on that. Right, right, right. It's really weird. He also not only that in '91 he did vocals on uh, a song by Die Toten Hosen, which is a German punk group. He, yeah, did right. the, he did vocals for that as well, and he's done the, he's done other collaborations. So he's obviously into his music. I'm sure he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, the Sex Pistols thing would have kicked off a load of others. Yeah. Co- collapse, yeah, basically. For sure. He was released from prison in 2009. Um, he died in uh, about four years later. I think. Not uh, that we have any pity for that. No, of course not. I remember his, uh, he's got a, he had a Brazilian son. He was only like twin, early 20s or something when he was very ill. Yeah. But he was full, it was full on... Uh, you know, emotional plea to the government because obviously he it was just his old his old ill dad. Yeah. Mm. He had no obviously no interest or probably not too much knowledge of the full full facts about what his dad had been part of. Yeah, but it was a full on emotional plea to please, please, Papa, Papa. You know, I don't know. I don't, he probably didn't say he said he's sorry, but it was um, obviously the whole lot was turned down. Yeah. So Buster Edwards is another quite famous one. People have probably heard of him because of the movie mm. Buster with Phil Collins. Hello, I'm Buster Edwards. Now again, he was wasn't a big player. He basically he wrote he helped carry the money from the, from the train. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, it's interesting how he um, of all the people that you could they chose chose to make yeah. make a film with him. If you suggest his role was obviously he was part of it. So yeah, it, you know. It, but it, his, his job was to help carry the cash. Yeah. Now, he got away initially. He wasn't in that first trial. He got to Mexico uh, yeah. with his family. But um, he hated it. <laughs> and he hated Mexico? Yeah, he wanted to come back to England. He, right. so he returned only after only a couple of years. In 1966, he came back to England. And he served all his and time. He did, he, did, he, was, uh, he did 15 years. He served. Cool. So, what, sorry, when did he come back? In '66. So, f- fifteen of his thirty years. Did he get twenty-five or thirty? Or he was sentenced then, to f- fifteen. Because to fifteen. The, okay. Yeah. The original, the original trial, they were all given thirty years. He was given fifteen years. And he served all of it. Um, and he served all of it. Yeah. Gosh. So he um, he well when he came out yeah so I, I basically I used to see him every single day um, in early 90s when I was going to college commuting to college from home to Waterloo Station mm. and um, that's where he had a flower store basically mm. yeah and he I don't know how he had how long he had that well he was a before. florist before the train robbery uh, he, had okay. a, right, he was okay. a florist so yeah yeah it was only I guess a 15 year period in his life when he wasn't a florist right <laughs> oh, okay 
Well, anyway, he obviously absolutely everyone knew who he was. And as I say, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't Rockstar, but it was, it, there was, it was full on, hey, Buster, you know, yeah. kind of, everyone was, uh, he probably did really well out of Flowers, because, oh, you never who I bought these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. But I would see him every single day, right, out, outside the, one of the exits to uh, the station. And yeah. then, uh, a, literally a year later, uh, and I must admit, I don't know the details why, but he basically hung himself. Yeah, um, allegedly. And it was all like, it was like, oh, oh, right, fine, okay. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. There was an allegedly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was. I remember him being. Well, I mean, he was. You know, he was a celebrity basically, um, and he just happened to run a flower store. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he ran the flower store for. Oh, like you reckon? Years. You reckon allegedly? Yeah. You? Well, I mean. <laughs> It's a difficult one to say. Supposedly he hanged himself, but um, he, it was an open verdict. It was an open verdict. Exactly right. So it couldn't be certain. He was found in a garage in 1994. Yeah. Um, his family still run the flower stall, I think, or they did. They did for a while, anyway. Wasn't he? It was. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was found hung, but apparently he was far too drunk to have possibly hung himself. Yeah, that's uh, that's right, what's right, contended. Right. Yeah, that he couldn't yeah. have done it because he was basically incapacitated. Uh. Supposedly, right, right. but who knows what the truth is among villains? Yeah, sure. Yeah, he was um, when he was um, probably you know around the time that you would have been visiting him, Jed. Um, yep. I mean, you say visiting, <laughs> passing, <laughs> pa- passing, and doffing uh, your nodding. cap to, nodding at him. <laughs> he was. Uh, the the well known um, now known well known director and actor Dexter Fletcher, oh yeah, ran past and nicked a couple of bunches of flowers off of him. <laughs> what in in real yeah, life? Yeah, yeah, in real life. And the only reason yeah. that he was caught is because Buster had watched a movie that Dexter was in a couple of days before, and when the police oh, right. came, so while he was <laughs> yeah, he went oh, while he it's was that famous. bloke out of what's it? <laughs> Press <Yeah>. gang. <laughs> <laughs> and so they arrested him. Right. And I think he went yeah. to uh, he went to court and had to pay damages like thirty quid or something. Uh, the price of the flowers. Yeah. <laughs> and he said um, he said that he'd stolen them to give to his girlfriend. But I see. I reckon he should have said that he stole them to put on the back of his fiance's wedding dress, because then it would have been a great train robbery. Uh, that's true. If anyone would say it like that, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That's not too bad, actually, though. Uh, Mark, put in some... Um, you know, like, some just warm applause. <laughs> Sympathy clubs. But only, not not like an audience, like like six people. Yeah. Just a... Small, polite group. Yeah, you know, acknowledging the work put in. Well done, you. Think it up. I could see it. I could see it coming. <laughs> Thinking, hang on, why is he? Oh, hang on. Here we go. <laughs> so the sentence is handed down. Actually, Reynolds, who was probably the last one caught, he he only served ten years. Arguably, he was the mastermind. He was the leader of the group. Mm. But he only he yeah, did. Yeah. He ultimately, he served ten, ten years. And that'd be arguably that's that's a. A big piece of your life. Oh yeah, yeah. But Consider- it's not considering his involvement, that's nothing really. Yeah, Reynolds uh, 
think his son is in Alabama 3. Really? What song did they do? Inserted here. They did, <laughs> did a song about Reynolds, really. Um, so Alabama 3 recorded a tribute to Reynolds about the robbery. Have you seen Bruce Richard Reynolds? Oh, right. And, <laughs> so it is about it. And uh, uh, Nick Reynolds, Reynolds' son, is the harmonica player. Just out of interest. There you go. Right, so money. Let's say there's about £2.6 million, pounds, mostly yeah. one pound notes yep. and five pound notes. Yeah, Most of it wasn't found. Less than 400000 was found. Where's my money? The last money to be recovered was £47,000, which was found in a telephone box in Newington in <laughs> South London. <laughs> right. Which is brilliant. So how, how did they know that that was, the, that was money from the robbery? Was it... Was this traceable money? Well, weirdly, only a very small amount of the money was traceable. Right. If they, they didn't really have to launder the money because most of it they could have just spent with impunity because it hadn't, no, none of it had been recorded. It was untraceable money. But some of it had been recorded by Scottish authorities before it left Glasgow. That's your Scottish authorities. Only a small amount of it, though, but the rest of it could have, was, didn't even need to be laundered. And some of the money in the phone box had some of those serial numbers on it recorded by the Bank in Scotland. But uh, yes, less than 400,000 out of 2.6 million has ever been found. I'm just wondering, did um, Scotland mint its own money at that time? I think so. I don't know how many banks there's. Was there three banks in Scotland producing money now? Bank of Scotland, Royal Bank of Scotland and Clydesdale Bank. Right. Because even now it's quite, it can be quite troublesome to spend Scottish money you know, anywhere else in the UK. It's not legal to refuse it, but um, it can know, still. It's just annoying. It can still be difficult to get it accepted. You can see the, you can see the um, shop owners rolling their yeah. eyes. <laughs> we we used to have a butcher's in the high street that refused to take Scottish money. So whenever <laughs> I had any, because I'd been up to Scotland and back again, I would I would go in, I'd order some stuff, and I. <laughs> And I would always deliberately take Scottish money in, and I would just leave it on the counter and walk out. Yeah, I'd take, yeah, I'd, I'd take my goods, and yeah. I'd just leave the cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't talk okay. to him. I'd just no leave change. the Scottish money and walk out. I think you'll find, pal. That's legal tender. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so most of the money hasn't been found, and some of the robbers haven't been found either. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them to find. Yeah, a lot of, lot of both, a lot of money and a lot of folk. So obviously Ronnie Biggs, he escaped and then came back, so serving short part of his sentence. Daly was released, but there's a few more. This, the, the Ulster man was never found. Has he got a name? There's a possible name for him. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a couple, actually. Is um, there? Oh, yes, yeah. there are. Yeah. Now, there's one man whose surname was Osterman, and they think that it might have been him, and uh, it was just okay. a corruption yeah, yeah. Of, of his surname. Sure. And there's another fellow. Patrick McKenna. Patrick McKenna, who was named by Gordon Goody. He claimed, he claimed to have seen the name on the inside of a glasses case in the man's coat. Right, yeah. But uh, uh, we'll never know because we no. don't know where they are. Or he, he are. So the Osterman could have been a Sammy Osterman or it could have been Patrick McKenna. But uh, he got away, he was never found. So there's a few, there's a few who got away with it. But the key players are the most famous ones. And the most famous ones are the ones who fled Buster Edwards and Ronnie Biggs. Yeah. We've mentioned the film Buster, of course, Buster Edwards. Yep. I don't I don't remember it being 
brilliant. No, I watched it. I remember seeing it at the time and thinking yeah. it was it was kind of <laughs> yeah, it was a big movie at the time, and I remember seeing it and it was kind of. Well, the reason fun. why it was big is because of Phil Collins. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I tried watching it again more recently, and I couldn't. <laughs> who was who was his wife in the Julie? Julie Walters. Julie Walters. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she was big at the time as well. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She would have just done Educating Rita, wouldn't? Is that then or a Probably, little bit? Yeah. Depend- well, Educating Rita was about eighty-three or four. Right. So a few, a bit more. Now, there's not been a great amount other than that of direct interpretations. Um, there's been a lot of influence, though, on films, books, music. There's been dramatisations and yeah. stuff, I think. TV, TV dramatisations. TV dramatisations, yeah. Mostly it just gets referred to a lot. I mean, it's been referred to in all yeah, sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. You know, John, John Lennon sure. made a reference to it in the Help movie. Uh, the, it's yeah, it's right, mentioned right. in Thunderball Wow. as an Inspector Clouseau. Uh, reference to it. Oh wow! See, all of that would have helped. Frankly, helped Ronnie Biggs's. You know, yeah. uh, everyone thinking he's cool, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But even at the time, um, you know, beyond the fringe, Peter Cook mentions it in a in a joke. Uh, in the navy, in the yeah. navy lark, John Pertwee is uh, talks yeah, about. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's referred to constantly over the years and years and years. But it hasn't actually had a um, single treatment in like for a, a movie about the. It's been movies been made that have been based loosely on it, using references to certain individuals. Uh, so the closest thing to it is Buster. There was an, there is another one which I watched just the other day. You always watch everything just the other. Day. It was sixties or seventies. I can't remember the title of it now. Great, one of those. Twenty. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, and this it's full of really um, of really famous people from the period. People who would appear in other stuff. Of very similar You're nature. You're definitely not thinking of the wrong, the wrong. great yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's not. It's definitely it's Sean Connery with sideburns and a top. <laughs> it's the um, the 1967 robbery. What is that the name of the film? Yeah, well, no, it's it's called Robbery, and it's <laughs> it was released in 1967. <laughs> oh. Uh, the oh Stanley uh, Baker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a, a very young Frank Andy Finley. Oh, okay. But there's there's lots of great sort of gangster movie classic people in there. It's one of those ones where you don't really know the names, but when you see it, you go, oh, him, oh, and him, and her. <laughs> <laughs> I do that a lot in movies. All <laughs> oh, right, you point at the screen. That guy. Yeah. yeah. Like that guy out of that movie. You know him. <laughs> that guy who did that thing once. But that's that's good fun. Um, I mean, that is the description of it is a group of British criminal plans the robbery of the Royal Mail train on the Glasgow to London route. So it's definitely uh, heavily inspired <laughs> by yeah, that yeah. story. They even film it on that little bridge, you know. Oh wow! So it's very close. Then. There's mm. a David Niven film in, made in 1969 where basically it he's trying to do a train robbery from a train running from Paris to Brussels. But basically, it's based on the Great Train Robbery, and even in the movie, they say that he, the first job he pulled before that was the Great Train Robbery. So they specifically <laughs> refer to it in the film as well. So that's quite meta. Yeah, I know one more thing that's quite interesting. Uh huh. So. <laughs> so we know how much uh, enthusiastic I am about uh, Madame Tussaud. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ronnie Biggs and Charlie Wilson were both immortalised in wax. 
at Madame Tussauds. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not surprised. I, I, I must admit, I am surprised that it's Charlie Wills. But anyway, the I'm not surprised at all because they were popular. They were exhibited in tableau, of the two of them escaping. That's why it's Charlie Wilson oh, right. and Molly Biggs. Because <laughs> they, they're the two <laughs> climbing over. They're a wall. the two that escaped. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and they displayed them for nineteen years. Good grief! Not, not in the in the London one. In London, yeah. Oh my God! Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, Were they any good? So. Or were they kind of scary they're, German they're theme park? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is the best, one of the better wax museums. I'm assuming it's pretty good. It's true. It is one of the premier wax museums of the world. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Rui, you're, you're looking kind of larger than normal. Have you been eating donuts or something? <laughs> no. Uh, oh, right. Okay, sorry. I, I, I've just been exhibiting some weight gain snobbery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> weight gain. Oh, weight. I get it. Great. Great. I get it. Sounds a bit like... <laughs> gain. <laughs> train. Snobbery. Robbery. Oh, I'm with you. Okay, let's pretend that never happened. (laughs) That's all for this time and for this season. If you want to know more about what we've talked about, then just Google it or something. We'll be back very soon with season three. But until then, you can listen to all of our previous episodes on your podcast provider or on our website, truecrimediary.co.uk, where you'll also find links to support the podcast with a donation or to send us an email with a review or a request for a future episode. If you enjoy the podcast, then please do leave a review on your podcast provider if you can, or tell your friends. And if you didn't enjoy it, just keep your mouth shut, all right? Until next time, thanks for listening. My thanks to Jed and Rue, and we'll see you on the next date in our True Crime Diary.